literally just holed up in my apartment, yeah. cleaning poop. Jesus. Uh, yeah. You know, making sure, just <laughs> like cleaning urine, cleaning poop. Um, that's it. I, I don't. I don't have a life anymore. It's the really first don't. step to fatherhood of any kind, including yeah. dog fatherhood. Like that's about when Belka became mine. Was like she would like slowly tinkle whenever the fuck she felt like, and I was like, okay, now I'm a man. Now I'm what, gonna. What was spray. your first kind of reaction and like your your sort of your experiences when you were alone with Belka? Oh, that's the best question. Did you like freak out or were you okay right yes, away? Yes, I was worried as hell. It was hard for me. It was harder for me than I actually anticipated. Really? Yeah, because I I grew up with a dog and you know and he was amazing, but I mean, honestly like. I wasn't in charge of taking care of it. You know, I was just the kid in the family that had this great dog, and I got to sort of take advantage of all the, you know, the perks of it. Like, I got to play with him, but I wasn't the one who had to take him to the vet all the time. I wasn't the one who had to, you know, take him out all the time. It was just sort of like a light bit of responsibility. (laughs) So, like, when when we got Ollie, like, I was so excited for all of it, but I freaked out. Really? Yeah, we picked him. It was right during Christmas. I, I got him the night before. Megan's brother was taking care of him for like Christmas Eve, and then course, it was a surprise, right? It was a surprise. That's yeah. Such a flex. So was, I love that. <laughs> it was so much like the coordination and stuff. And, yeah, and it, it was all exciting. And then that morning, you know, I go out to like, to Kevin uh, Megan's brother's car yes. to meet him for the first time, and I'm like walking out to this car. I'm, I'm wearing, I think I'm wearing like, the same hoodie I'm wearing today. Sure. And I'm like barefoot and I'm groggy and I'm scared. And I open the car door and there's this little puppy kind of in this box going. Hi, I'm your new daddy. Uh, come with me. Uh, we have to. We have to give you to mommy now. And it was. And my brain just exploded for like three days straight. Um, I mean, I fell in love with him, but I. I just. I don't know what happened. I just. I, all of a sudden, my, the first thing my brain went to was, Megan's gonna love this dog more than she loves me. Isn't oh, that childish? No, it's, it's so not ridiculous. childish at all. But I, I have thought that before. Yeah. Like we go deep. You and I are the original version of this podcast, is the honest truth. the on the rails guys we were just talking about the whitest things we've ever done and given that this episode is just two white men in a room this is actually the whitest episode we've ever made i am your host scott thomas aka i'm scott rapaport aka if you want to be with me there's a price to pay i'm a genie in the bottle you've gotta rub me the right way nice that was that was for you dude oh, that was i try to top myself every time but i had to go back to our halcyon days yeah yeah for that one of course and who am i talking to well it's genuinely one of my favorite people in the whole world my best friend this guy y'all you're so lucky he's on the air right now you may have seen him in outsourced way back when before that you could have seen him in mr robot or fiddler on the roof on broadway he is currently a series regular on for the people and starring in actually we're fucked at the Cherry Lane Theater, and I'm not putting the asterisks in there. <laughs> Sorry, Cherry Lane Theater. 
It's the one, the only Ben Rappaport. What's up, man? Hey there. Thanks, buddy. Oh, I'm dude. Good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it is my absolute freaking pleasure. This is a, a long-standing dream of mine to have you on this show. So oh, this really, this, this works is... out beautifully. Yeah, this is great. It's going to be great. And what is this show? It's the show that turns think tanks into drink tanks, that tries to make sense of a senseless world senselessly. We're going to take a census of the news. We're going to cover Spring TV. Mm-hmm. That's our big topic for the day, because Ben is on a spring television show. Yeah. Indeed. Very, very fitting, but we're also playing this little drinking game that neither he nor I know the rules to. I've made up some rules for both of us. I've made up rules for Ben. Ben may have made up rules for me. It's entirely possible. If Ben figures out all the rules, he wins a $10 gift card to Juice Press. I want to be clear, we're not sponsored by Juice Press. I just bought a gift card like a year ago. And, I try. and, that's, the, uh, and that's the offer. I yeah. love it. And I harassed them online. I just try to get sponsored. Yeah. It's great. I'm like a Captain Marvel troll, but an SJW with a good cause. Yeah. So yeah, the opposite great. of a Captain Marvel troll. <laughs> and today we are drinking two things. Ben is drinking an amazing vodka called Our New York Vodka. It is so, so cool, guys. They have different hubs all over the United States, and they make the same vodka with local ingredients from each region they're based in. And I must say, it's incredibly smooth and doesn't need any mixer or anything like that this is how i know you went to acting school like like straight into like the perfect pitch (laughs) i gotta be honest with you yeah let me break it down for you um no anyway our vodka is is very good i'm a fan boom i think we just got an our vodka sponsorship that's exactly right and i'm drinking connecticut's own fat orange cat with decadent ales baker's dozen it's an imperial stout. It tastes like every dessert I've ever had <laughs> in my life simultaneously. And it should be noted that there are a lot of cats on the uh, on the in the artwork on on the on the uh, on the can. I, I haven't counted yet. I would bet all the money in my checking account that there are a dozen cats on this thing for <laughs> Baker's Dozen. You bastards. That's that's good stuff. But well played, Baker's Dozen. Well played. Yeah, yeah. Way, way, way to be. Way mm-hmm. to be. And speaking of ways to be, we are going to do our very first segment. This is a segment in which we celebrate something that has been rocking our socks off recently before we get into the mess that politics or television can be. Sure. It's time for I'll Drink to That. Yeah, boy! That was, I just it, it was a weekend for like five seconds and then now it's Monday again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time travel is possible. Yeah, That's how yeah. it works. It's <laughs> what they're gonna do in Avengers Endgame or something. Yeah. Um, but I'll drink to that. We're gonna toast something, as I said, that we have loved recently. Ben, you wanna go first? You got you got a thing that, that you've just really been enjoying. Oh, or yeah. a person, a thing it can be anything. Anything, right? anything at all. You know, I will say, um uh we were just talking about this. Uh I'm gonna toast to my new puppy, Ollie. The French oh, yeah. bulldog. He we, we got him over Christmas, and he's you know it's been it's been a huge journey with him, but he's really like m- bringing meaning to Megan and I's life, and we love him dearly. And That's I a can't beautiful wait for you thing. To meet him, man. I can't believe I haven't met him I yet. Know, because I know. of the IG feed, I feel like I've already met him. Yeah, which is a testament to how well you're rocking those IG stories. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. he does have his own at this yeah. point. That's true. I, I would tell people to follow any guest that came on this show, and I have before, yeah. but especially follow Ben because the Ollie content <laughs> is 
peak. <laughs> it's just it's just peak dog content. Yeah, thanks, man. No, absolutely. Cheers, man. Cheers, cheers, cheers to that. Cheers to Ollie. Yeah. You also do have to drink a little extra. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One one of the rules has been has been tapped. Officially. Okay. Yep, that came in. That came in hot. Oh fuck. Yeah. And you, remember, if you guess them, they're off the table too. Okay. So that's how that's how you avoid this. Okay. But that was it. Um, that'll bring me to mine. I can't believe. I'm doing this because last week I toasted Good Trouble on Freeform. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed. It's I've great. It. It, it's an amazing show. It's also clearly a show aimed at teenage and college girls. Mm. It's great for being that. And um, my I'll Drink to That confirms that I am regressing into becoming a teenage girl. Or maybe <laughs> not actually regressing. Maybe that's growing up and moving forward. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Women are amazing. Yeah. Um, Mine is Julia Michaels. Okay. And this is a big one for me because on the very first episode I did of the show, I drank to that for Julia Michaels. That episode never made it to air. It was like a test to see if the podcast could work. But I went to North Carolina this weekend, and I saw her in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot when I think of this concert two days later about the bands that we grew up with Mm -hmm. and the first formative music experiences we probably had, right? Right. for right. me, it's going to see Third Eye Blind or Fuel. Sure. And seeing these bands who confirm for me via their music and their live performance that the pain I felt was real or the anger. Yeah. Those are like the the two that primarily stand out in my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not alone in feeling that. That's, so, a, that's really amazing. I mean, right? to, to that, you know, if, if an artist can take can actually put words to something you're feeling that you feel like you can't explain. Absolutely. That's sort of the point of it all, isn't it? Right. By the way, you got a drink. Oh, excellent. Good. Oh, it's coming in hot, and I love it. <laughs> Is it every time I mention Third Eye Blind? <laughs> Given our history, that would have been a very I mean, real you know, rule. <laughs> so um, the thing about Julia Michaels which I hadn't really put together until I saw her in concert is so much of her music deals with anxiety mm. and depression sure, and does so in a way that if you are a youth growing up in this country, it's not only easy to digest, but her music is very accessible. It makes it onto the radio. Yeah. She writes for Selena Gomez and through writing through Selena Gomez, these subjects get covered. Selena Gomez has also been very vocal about her struggles with mental illness. Yeah. This show was like a piece of theater dedicated to holding the experience of not only suffering from anxiety, but doing so in a way that was cathartic and elating simultaneously. Like the first thing we saw when the show goes down, uh, I went with just one of my nearest and dearest, Cameron Wade, and there were multiple guitar players and they were like walking back and forth on the stage in succession. I'm like, this is fun as fuck. And then she left the stage and came back to do this song. Uh, literally, I think it's called uh, Inner Monologue. My friends, they want to take me to the movies. I tell them to fuck off. I'm holding hands with my depression. And right when I think I've overcome it, anxiety starts kicking in to teach that shit a lesson. It's about what she goes through. The entire crowd is singing along about having anxiety. Yeah. And at the end of it, she dropped to her knee, Tim Tebow style, and screamed, That was fucking deep! <laughs> and I was like, That's the funniest goddamn thing. That's amazing. I may have seen all year. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and I just, I have no words for how generous an experience it was. And, yes. and what blows my mind is she's probably doing this every night. Mm-hmm. 
But for the first time in a long time going to a concert, I went, nah, that's singular. We, we truly wandered into something special. I didn't feel like I was watching a band performing. I felt like I was organically at some sort of... Like, I, I'm, I'm not a deeply religious person. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. But I was like, oh, this is what church is like for people that go to worship. I, I felt called yes. to the concert. Yes. And I am in awe that there is a genuine pop star who is giving people that experience, yeah. particularly with the way we're discussing mental illness in this country, and particularly f- primarily for women, which is her, her core fan base. Yeah. And I was like... God damn, I'm so happy she exists. Yeah. I'm so happy she That's exists. That's exciting. So to Julia Michaels, to Julia I, Michaels, I drink. Uh, I am. I am Julia. Yeah. Hard to deal with, and I admit it. It's true. <laughs> All my friends, they don't know what it's like, what it's like. They don't understand why I can't sleep through the night. And I thought that I could take something to fix it Damn, I wish it, I wish it was that simple I, all my friends, they don't know What it's like, what it's like Please come on the show anytime you want That's really cool have you ever heard her stuff? I, I I haven't. No. You, you know, I'm so out of the loop on everything. So this is it's this is so good. hard to stay in the loop. I know. Like there's too much content. There's too much, and and we you know we're living in a time where, you know, you you can't possibly be up on everything like exactly to the minute. No. And, and if you strive to do it, you're gonna go insane. Which I do. <laughs> you know. I've lost half my mental faculties <laughs> since starting this podcast. Right. Of course. Like, I get it. Saying the same. T- also, we both have to drink. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> oh, damn it. I did it. Damn it. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to have no idea what the hell's going on in it. Just a little bit. No, no joke. Last time I did a podcast at this space, I, I blacked out, which is <laughs> why I'm drinking beer. It's a good thing this isn't live. <laughs> oh, no. I can't, I can't ever do a live we'll event. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> ah! <laughs> but speaking of keeping up with things, let's keep up with the news proper and do a little bit of a weekly rewind. All right. You're going to like this theme in particular. You'll see why. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's great. Uh, the primal howl of Michael Who Scott. Did that? I made it. That's great, man. Yeah, I just made it. No! Oh God! No! <laughs> so good. For frame of reference, Ben and I lived together for many years, but lived together during school. Mm-hmm. And one of our rituals, after a particularly long day, was coming back to watch The Office. Oh yeah, on fucking DVD. Yeah, that's how old we are now. We used to watch that shit on DVD. Remember that? T- Where's that TV? Did you did you have it for a while? I did have it for a while. Then what happened to it? It's in storage. Oh, it's still around. It's still around. Oh I had God. forgotten that I still have that TV. Yeah. It's in a MakeSpace account that I'm like $900 overdue on. <laughs> but I was going to pay it this week. So now it's hashtag save the TV. I'm wow. definitely going to have to do that. Yeah, man. I'd love to see that thing. That's like a relic at this point. Oh, my it was, God. It was like it wasn't. 
a flat it was like you know remember it wasn't quite flat screen it was still like <laughs> extremely deep but the screen was flat so yeah. you could technically call it a flat screen it was like but it was it, it was it was a flat screen flute for the middle class like it was just <laughs> like, like like just at the right angle you're like no it's a flat screen yeah technically just don't walk to the left corner of my apartment <laughs> because then you'll see what this actually is that's right oh man and now i'm remembering and i've forgotten we bought this thing at a best buy yes we did on east 84th street oh my yeah, I have. I remember that very vividly. Yeah, we had to pay the cabbie extra to bring us back because no cab driver wanted to take this bulky ass TV with them. And the guy who did, he ripped the his headphones. Do you remember this? He ripped his headphones and used the cord of his headphones to tie his trunk together. And I had completely forgotten this until oh this God. moment. I just forgot. I, but I, I, I remember headphones. That's, yes. That sounds familiar. He, to- he literally ripped the headphones apart yes. so that he could use the thing and tie the trunk together. What a New York moment. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's the most – no. and you know what? Like, praise to cab drivers because I bet my bottom dollar not a single Uber or Lyft driver would have done that shit would for you. Would have taken their headphones. Yeah, not at yeah, all. No, no. That's old school. That's yeah. That's a true yeah. New York cab driver right there. I feel like we gotta fill we gotta fill everybody in on sort of on that part of our lives. Oh my God, let's you know, do it. We lived so Scott and I lived on 49th and 8th uh, in a building called the Elmsford Arms. Yep. And uh, it, it is above Z Deli. And for those of you who are familiar <laughs> with this location, it's across the street from from uh, Blockheads and Mother Burger. Mother Burger, yeah. And um, it was an incredible. We just lucked into an incredible place at, at that time in our lives. Yeah. Because we were sort of like in the middle of everything. Yeah. And we didn't mind. We didn't mind that we were sort of like a stone's throw away from Times Square. It's, it's kind of the perfect and, time in your life to be in the middle of New York. Yeah. Like, I would have thought as a parent before going to New York that that's the worst time to be in New York. Like, don't send your kid to New York when they're between the ages of 18 and 22. It's Gamora. <laughs> like, well, yeah, right. We, we experienced that. But we definitely experienced that. Mm-hmm. But like now that I'm older, right, and I live in Connecticut, trying to imagine living in the heart of Times Square in your 30s, I'm like, no, get me away. Yeah, like, like at yeah. least get me past 59th Street uh-huh. or, or, or 14th. Yeah, like if, I, if I'm yeah. in the middle now, that's going to be too much. I'm going to have a headache all the time. Oh, I'm going to need to invest in Excedrin. Like you can do that when you're 22. Well, and it was kind of a romantic time in in that neighborhood's history because yes. it wasn't what it was today. Like it was sort of I think it was transitioning from like I feel like our few blocks was on 8th Avenue was sort of a holdover from like old crappy New York, yes, like absolutely. old scary New York. Yes. So there were like a lot of like adult film stores yeah. and you know like all along 8th Avenue and it's just a little crusty. Yeah. Um and it was great. I'm now remembering a time that Ben and I went out to go for dinner, and uh, there was one guy on this block. Do you know this story? Do you know this one coming up? So the first time we wandered by this guy, because uh, Ben and I do this thing with food sometimes, where we don't quite pick the place out at first. That Mm -hmm. was definitely truer in college than than it was now, but that was very much something of our, our early 20s life. And so we were wandering up and down 8th Avenue trying to find where we wanted to eat. And we walked by this guy, and the first time we walked by him, he was like, yo, weed, weed, I got weed, I got weed. (laughs) And we both passed. We were like, no thanks, man. And we kept walking. And then for some reason, we went back up 8th Avenue the other direction, and the guy starts going, yo, cocaine, 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 (laughs) I got cocaine. And again, we were like, no thanks, man. 
And for some reason, we did go back by him a third time. And he was like, yo, poppers, poppers, I got poppers. And I was like, what happens if we go a fourth time? (laughs) Well, what the fuck is this going to escalate? I know, yeah. I do remember that. And that that doesn't happen anymore. No, and and those guys were fixtures. Like, there was also a dude, remember Mid-City Gym? Oh my god. And this guy had flyers and like you'd walk by there and he this guy was nuts. Like he 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 had this whole spiel down. Yeah. And it was it's almost he had this like announcer who was like Mid City Gym, Mid City Gym, <laughs> come on yeah, come on down, Mid City Gym. And like he he was just on this loop yeah. for like hours a day. Yeah. Like seven days a week. It, it was really I miss that guy. I do too. <laughs> like he was Glengarry Glen Rossworthy because he was selling you a gym that was in the basement on 42nd street like why in god's name would you ever want to go work out there that's the last place i want to sweat or have fluids anywhere near me is on 42nd street but like people would go in yeah and it stayed in business for a long time that dude was the ricky roma of gym salesmen i know holy shit it's kind of crazy to i i is it? It's not there anymore. Right? No, it's not there. Okay. It's yeah. probably a Seven Eleven now or yeah. something. I think it might actually be a Seven Eleven. Oh, really? Yeah, the Seven Eleven opened like right where Mid City Gym was. Okay, well, Slurpees. Yeah, opposite <laughs> of fitness. I don't know. Do you ever go by that? Pl- you ever go by the old place? And like- I I do a lot. Yeah, I do a lot. That, I gotta go back in that lot. I I go by there all the time. Of course, all the time. And I always look up at our windows, and I'm always wondering who because. So much stuff happened in that apartment. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to go into it because I don't even think we can talk about a lot of it. No. <laughs> but I honestly wonder if the sangria stain is still there. <laughs> I don't think that's ever coming out. Uh, oh. l- listeners, I should probably explain that one. My mom shipped me two crates worth of sangria for right. my 21st birthday. And late at night, I attempted to pour it. <laughs> and instead of pouring it, I threw it backwards over my shoulder like some sort of theater good luck charm and stained the walls with white sangria and it never came out in the two years we were living there and it was a remind it was a constant reminder i think it was we were there what four years four years four years absolutely unbelievable wow and speaking of things that feel like four years there's a world-class pivot this week so what do we do we try to take stock of what's happened this week and i recently introduced this concept on the show that i haven't Mm -hmm. found a clever name for of having it feel like a beer flight because I think the idea is a beer flight, you can digest a lot quickly. That's mm. the nice thing about it. Right, and right. as we were talking about, there's just too much. Right. It's impossible to parse through. So I would posit that the theme for the week, the theme of the flight, would be watch and learn. Which is a weird one to say, but to me, the key stories of the week, the ones that really drove it forward, were the R. Kelly interview mm-hmm. with Gail Kelly. Did you see that? I only saw like the big clips. The, yes. The, the standing up and the going crazy. And the, Did yeah. you happen to see the meme that Liesl Tommy put on her no, Facebook? No. Now noted director Liesl Tommy, who right. Ben and I both work with in college, but Liesl put the meme of him standing up with the hand and Gail there stock still. And underneath the photo it says... When you know you're not casting the actor, but you let him finish the monologue anyway. <laughs> that is really good. That's, That's really good. Hat tip to Liesl Tommy. That was well played. That yeah. was beautiful work. Uh, one of many reasons your career is moving forward. But yeah. I, I was thinking about that and watching Finding Neverland mm-hmm. today, actually, to prepare for talking about Spring TV a little bit. Sure. And I thought... One of the things that's so disarming about seeing that interview in that documentary 
no matter what you believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm on record last week, and I will continue to be on record. I I believe Wade and um, the other gentleman whose name I'm forgetting mm-hmm. now from Finding Neverland. I fully believe the women who have come out against R. Kelly. But let's say even if you don't, mm-hmm. I think what must be disorienting about seeing those things back to back is that they provide a visual language for the way people are speaking about these things. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, they they hint at the truth of how people in these situations speak. Like, yeah, yeah. there were a lot of articles that came out about how R. Kelly, a lot of the coded behavior, feels like someone who is either not remorseful or has something to hide. Right. The aggression that was there. The, the thing we also saw in Brett Kavanaugh, like, it wasn't yeah. too dissimilar a reaction. Yeah, the extreme and, defense. Yes. Yeah. And, and, like, the little details of... Um, and I can't believe I'm blanking on the other guy's name. It's not Wade Robson, but um, the other primary... Mm-hmm. figure in Finding Neverland there's a sequence where he shows the jewelry that Michael Jackson got him and his hand is just shaking a little imperceptibly wow just a little bit and we've made it our profession to observe human behavior right, right. and to find the truth in that so that we can carry it forward in our own work sure and I thought like that's really what's so upsetting about these things and what was so incredible about Gail not moving at all the strength it takes to not move in the face of that behavior Mm. because it is so recognizably dangerous and not okay yeah then in fact making it a meme is part of the healing process of having to watch it having to watch that and having her go through it i mean i will say like watching gail how gail handled that was extremely impressive unbelievable she just stood her just sat her ground and she's she just robert robert you know, there was yes. it was very calm, and I was super impressed with her. Yeah, yeah, and the strength it takes to stay seated. Like, yeah, it had recently come to my attention about that unconscious behavior of standing over someone as a term of aggression that mm-hmm. you take a kind of visual power position, right? Right, and right. the instinct I would have would be to stand up with him. Right, I don't think I could have stayed seated. Right, I mean, honestly, that's an incredible move on her part. Yeah. Yeah. Really unbelievable. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But then even I would extend that to um to the Captain Marvel debate too, which was another huge item. Did you see it yet? I didn't see it yet, no. Man, go yeah. I know I need to. Right. It's weird, right? It is one of those things you kind of need to see yeah, at this point. It, yeah, it's it's such a huge cultural moment. Yeah. And it will not be soon forgotten. No. Yeah. And it's gonna matter to a lot of people and I think that's what scares a lot of people who are opponents of it mm-hmm. is that you see it and you can't avoid. What is the opposition? I don't understand this. And so the main opposition, and for those who are Infinity Podcast listeners who are carrying over here, welcome. We're going to keep this discussion going on on the rails. One of the main oppositions is the idea that Captain Marvel has ruined superhero movies. It, Black Panther, uh Infinity War to an extent by bringing politics into these Marvel movies and some of that stems from Brie Larson in her press junket calling for press junkets to be more diverse okay. and quite frankly um, you know it's a female led film right. that has some very political topics within it like without spoiling the movie for you mm-hmm. it really tackles gaslighting and the way women are marginalized right. and my favorite thing from it was that she gets to be funny yeah. In a way that no other 
character in the Marvel Universe who is a woman gets to be. They're all funny in service of the man. Right. And this time she's the Robert Downey Jr. and Sam Jackson is the Pepper Potts, the Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, yes. Like, it's truly a woman's film. Amazing. And, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. But they actually launched something called the Alita Challenge. Did you hear about this? No, no. This is real. Uh, Jack, whatever the fuck his name is, the guy who interrupted the performance of Julius Caesar, started the Alita Challenge, which was, he felt, a film that had no politics in it, also starring a woman, and he was urging everybody who hates Captain Marvel to go see Alita that weekend, as opposed to Captain Marvel, and to show Hollywood that they won't tolerate any leftist liberal politics in their movies. Keep in mind, Alita is directed by Robert Rodriguez, who's a Mexican mm-hmm. that made a film called Machete about mm-hmm. immigrants rising up to battle politicians who are right wing that right. use them in their political games. So, yeah, seems fine. Um, Jesus but like, right, gee, that's yeah. all you can say, right? At a yeah. certain point, like, yeah. how have you had to deal with that on for the people? Because it's not your your show isn't like defiantly liberal, but like it yeah. certainly takes a stance on the issues insofar as the way they're discussed. Well, I, I will say this is something that I'm incredibly excited about and proud of uh, of of the show. Yeah, is that I'm not I, I'm not familiar with the, a legal show in the past that didn't show both sides of the argument. Yes, equally. Uh, in terms of in terms of the uh, the prosecution and the defense, yeah, and a show that makes you honestly question your own morality and yeah. question your own beliefs, absolutely, um, and 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 not in a Drake. Oh shit! Um, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> No, and and that's what's so exciting about it is because the thing that I get really excited about in entertainment is oh shit, some... you have to drink too. <laughs> oh man, we knew each other way too well. Way too well. Problem. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. The thing that I get excited about is uh, something that's uh, I get excited about ambiguity. Yes, I get excited about um, so when something's really one sided mm-hmm. or preachy. I tune out. Totally. And um, I think that For the People does a great job of objectively portraying the legal system and the passion that goes into the legal system yes. on both sides of the coin. And it doesn't and, and it doesn't tip its hand too much in one, one way or the other. Yeah. And that's what I respect about it a lot. And I think it makes it a very universal show. I completely regard. agree, actually. Yeah. It's, we talked last week on the podcast about the idea of outrage culture and mm-hmm. to filter it into what you're saying. Outrage culture best exists when the network you have that's feeding you is ostensibly one-sided, right? Mm-hmm. When you show up on your timeline and there's a bunch of people whose anger matches your own. Yeah. Your show shows the hurt the outrage people can feel on both sides of an issue. Yes. And that makes it literally less outrageous, mm-hmm. which is something that's really wonderful. If you guys haven't seen the first episode of season two – and I'm going to be really blunt. This is not me just shilling this show. That would be the right thing to do as a podcaster, but they do a a great episode about swatting Mm -hmm. and the consequences of swatting. And I just found myself, I actually found myself siding with the kid Mm. a little bit more than I expected to. There's an unbelievably compelling argument made for whether or not this kid that called in a swatting should be tried or not or found guilty. Yeah. And what he was actually guilty of. And 
I found myself more on his side than I expected myself to. Interesting. In a in a in a big way. Yeah. Um and the episode left me kind of heartbroken and it reminded me of something Paul Vogel said to me once which was in an election or I think any issue you care about you know when a new president is elected you're going to feel like you lost your country. And I think everybody's going to walk away from an episode of For the People potentially feeling heartbroken in the way of losing or winning mm. it, it you become complicit with yeah both the prosecution and the defense right and that's that's a hell of a thing for any show to do yeah much less a major network one in this climate that's precisely it because yeah. it's very easy and you know we know a lot of a lot of things that are out there movies tv whatever that are very much the, the cards are stacked in one yeah one sort of point of view and so, uh, I, I mean, we, I have to credit Paul William Davies, who, who uh, created the show and yeah. is, the, is the showrunner, who uh, is a lawyer himself. Really? Mm-hmm. What kind of lawyer? Is he prosecution or defense? Uh, he was in contract law. I, I'm not quite sure, but I, I believe he worked for in the private sector. Okay, cool. Um, but he's incredibly smart. Yeah. And he has a very uh, – what I appreciate is that on top of all this, this – uh, incredible knowledge of the legal system and yeah. incredible uh point of view on it he's really funny he has a he has an amazing <laughs> nice. weird quirky sense of humor and if you know the show you you see that in certain areas of it um which i appreciate but um anyway yeah he's uh he's brilliant i have to credit him with 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 creating a show that is as well-rounded as it is and do you guys talk about the issues like at table read or is it sort of like that's during breaks like like how often is that in the discussion of the show itself i mean honestly it's sort of like permeates the entire experience that's incredible yeah it really it's very cool i mean it begins with the table read because um the actors don't see the script until the table read Damn. So we are basically cold reading this thing and finding stuff out as we read it. Ooh. So you know we're we're it's kind Ooh. of a cool experience because <laughs> we're kind of like you know you're flipping the page and you're like oh my god this happened like you know it's it's this <laughs> insane thing and so when the table read ends like there's a lot of discussion going on there's a lot of emotion it's yeah. a very cathartic experience that's awesome Um, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool that takes us into a discussion of spring television pretty easily because one of the things that i think is interesting about for the people and this will bring me back to like a bigger question i have about it is i don't personally think people would give a show on network television that level of credit Mm -hmm. which is to say you hear that narrative, and I bet if you heard that in a vacuum, 9 out of 10 people think that's happening, say, on House of Cards, which maybe it is too. Sure. But that really there are these shows that are popping up in unexpected places that are breaking the mold of what we expect from their confines or right, mm-hmm. or from the network that's airing them. Right. Like, I think a lot of people think that, like, lawn, like for the people might be almost more in the mold of an SVU mm-hmm. than it is the show it actually is. Yeah, people people on on paper it looks more procedural than it perhaps than it probably is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that happens in part because of what we were talking about. There's too much content mm-hmm. and it's really hard to give anything the time of day. And this leads me to sort of like the larger big thought that yeah. I'm interested on your take on both as a watcher and someone who's on a show, literally in the nuts and bolts of it, yeah. and has done a lot of television. Like I only listed some of Ben's TV credits. Ben has been on everything. No, you go to IMDb; he's been on everything. <laughs> um, here's this is this is a little bit of a hot take. So 
it is 2019. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing that I think happens near the end of every decade. 1999, I'll never forget, there was an Entertainment Weekly cover that came out saying, is 1999 the best year that has ever existed in American film? And it had American Beauty on it. It had Three Kings on it. It had Magnolia on it. There was this absolute influx of incredible directing talent and decent budgets that were creating a lot of idiosyncratic, amazing films. Right. And shortly after that, the model started to fall apart. Okay. 2009. It's the peak year of the MP3. Record sales are declining. We're all on Napster. 2009 is when Spotify launches. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, the streaming moves more to digital Mm -hmm. than illegal MP3 downloads. We are at 2019. Right. And I am very curious as to whether this is a thing that we do in modern culture. I feel like as we approach the end of the decade, Mm -hmm. something that has defined the decade hits its peak moment. And then we blow it all apart. We blow it all apart. Mm -hmm. And I am curious as to whether this is the year that the golden age of television we've been in finally breaks apart because Mm. there is genuinely too much stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious as to both, like, as an actor on one of these shows and as a viewer, like, how you feel in this moment and and if that resonates. Because I did a numbers count of the stuff coming out just between now and May. Yeah. My head hurts. Yeah. There's a hundred shows that are debuting between March 1st and when this podcast will go live in like a day or two. 100 shows in 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great... Uh, you watch BoJack Horseman? Absolutely. So you know, you know the whole thing where uh, drink, by the way. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so you know the thing. Damn where, it! You know the thing where um, uh, BoJack's new show is on that network. That's basically the the, <laughs> it's about the time. website. It's about time. dot com. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's a very. It's a very accurate assessment yeah. of what's going on in in television right now, which is, you know, every every website is wanting to get into the scripted entertainment business. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel a few ways about this. I mean, as an actor uh, who's sort of, um, you know, traipsing in the world of television, it's fantastic. Yeah. Because there's so much work out there. Yeah. It's amazing. Like any And, and people who, you know, maybe in the past who, like, didn't have an opportunity to – to get in the in the TV door like now like there's there's so many opportunities to yeah. like, people who are like I've never worked on a set before well guess what um you know uh you you know sprint.com <laughs> or you know uh or purina.com you know is making this show about dogs and like it's it's this heartfelt you know story about dog owners and it's a romantic comedy and you know what i mean i'm like, kind of shocked that that movie that came out in january where bryce dallas howard was a dog didn't air on purina.com <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been a much better place for it exactly than the multiplex yeah but you know but the, that's the incredible thing is that traditionally you know and this is just coming from purely this is purely actor talk yeah it, from the from the actor's standpoint um you know tv is a big way for us to make our livings yeah and to be able to live you know somewhat stable lives in, yeah. a, in an industry that's completely unstable and so it's yeah. this sort of oasis away from like sort of this the craziness and the fact that this all exists is incredible for us yeah um anything is possible yeah you can do 
anything. And there's not these like three or four pillars of you must get you must make it to the top of these pillars in order to be in the, in this zeitgeist. Yes, it's it's all over us, which is amazing. Yeah, which buried lead is how it was when we graduated. Like the yeah. interesting thing about like I I think of it really in terms of your career too mm-hmm. is like you've gone from being on network television when network television was the dream, right? The one dream to network television in a very different place. Yeah, different time period. Yeah, has that experience been like any different? Like going from like because guys like outsourced was more than a decade ago mm-hmm. and i'm glad that people are finding that show again actually like it's kind of, yeah i still uh, hear about it yeah it's cool you still hear about it it's kind yeah. of nice yeah kind of a cool thing it's very cool but like has that been a different experience going through, because it's yeah. most people don't have that as yardstick markers in their career going from yeah. it at one point going away from it and then coming back mm-hmm. and i feel like the culture has totally shifted since then i completely agree yeah uh, when i was when outsource was going on if you if you watched the emmys the year that we premiered absolutely i mean most of the uh most of the awards were going to network shows right network shows were populating that that awards uh ceremony yeah nowadays you got this is us and i think that's it <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah um, so it's completely shifted. Yeah. Um, so, uh, un- unfortunately, these days, uh, back in those days, everybody knew the show. Yeah. And like, and I would actually go around, you know, whether I was here or Los Angeles or in Houston or Chicago or wherever the hell I was. Yeah. People would be like, "Hey, outsourced, yeah." Like it was, it was in the sort of culture. It was in the, in it was the zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Yeah. For the people. Um, is in the zeitgeist, but unfortunately for for the people, it doesn't get to enjoy that same sort of pop because there, like you just we just discussed, there's so much going on. Yeah, that there's so many shows out there that someone's like, oh, do you know the TV show called blah blah blah? And like more often than not, people are like, I've never heard of that. I no, don't know. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting. Like I did this too because I was thinking like, what is the zeitgeist right now? Because there doesn't seem to be a logic for it. I can break down the shows that have caught yeah. this spring into like three different categories. There's survivor narratives, mm-hmm. which is super important, right? Uh, surviving R. Kelly and Finding Neverland have clearly popped. Yes. There's coming of age. We suddenly have a ton of coming of age shows with like Sex Education, Pen15. Yeah. Uh, the Order is one of those. That's not really popped yet, but like. By the way, I, here's a show I really, I'm really pissed off didn't get picked up again. Please. Everything sucks. Thank you. That was yes. a beautiful show. That was a great show. I and Patch Dara, fellow Juilliard guy, was incredible on it. Yeah. Um We can we can just like give a toast to Patch it, Dara. Patch, if you're if you're listening, this is for you. Patch, I'm gonna make sure this episode gets into your hands. Yes. Um it was incredible. And yeah. and what it did was it touched on and I thought that nothing has quite captured what the nineties represented to me. Mm than that show yes and the 90s represented i mean and it's a lot of it's probably because of that that's the you know that was the time i grew up yeah uh, or we grew up um there was a scent there was a beautiful sense of hope yeah and a beautiful sense of uh it was like it was a lot of things there was there was this sense of hope the sense of acceptance and because yes i feel like we grew up in a time where acceptance was really uh, at the forefront of everybody's minds. Which is strange to think about because yeah. it's like we're refighting for it again. Exactly. And, and, and we know that there were things from that time that we're not accepting. But I agree. Something about 
how and where we grew up, there was a feeling of possibility that I think didn't just come from being young. Now we're fighting for those possibilities in a different way. And whether that's because we had more blinders on through the culture, you can make that argument. But I, I, I don't think it's just that because I even think going back to Captain Marvel really quickly, one of the things that's interesting about it and I think of one of the only places where the movie fails to me mm-hmm. is it doesn't capitalize on some of those beautifully optimistic things that were present in the 90s. There are some nice music cues. Yeah. But like oh, there's, yeah. there's a great sequence in Captain Marvel that's set to Just a Girl cool. by No Doubt. And so I heard that song all over again. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. One reason that I care about women the way I do is because I had Gwen Stefani to grow up with. Precisely. And that like had that music making me go like yeah i want this in the world people like them are accepted yeah that was actually a a diverse band and not not you know band with people of color in it that had a female lead singer that was unbelievably badass and like they would sell 15 million records no one even sells 15 million records these days it's like it was different it It mattered in a different way yeah yeah and somewhere yeah, we lost we, somewhere that got lost in the culture. Yes, oddly. Yeah. Um, oh, now we know it's a fight. I think that yeah. that's like the weird, and and that's very much also probably a transition into adulthood, right? Like the culture has made us aware of the cost of it. Yeah. But now, as we were talking about with our dogs, and like you you age into a different part of the decade, the 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 cost of fighting becomes more readily apparent. Oh, of course. And and now we see the cost that kids like you know the Parkland kids have have endured and and that they still choose to fight on which is an unbelievable gesture of heroism yeah not to get too dark about it but like that's i think and and i wish that a show like everybody sucks was still on the air to be the counterbalance to that because i think you're right and even though pen 15 have you seen that yet Mm -mm. you're gonna love that it's not everybody sucks but it's also set in the late 90s early 2000s and it has all those hallmarks but you're right that a show like that can get lost in the shuffle. And that's very, that's proof to me that some of this isn't working. Yeah. Because it's now shows aren't just getting canceled for viewership reasons. There's business merger reasons. Yeah. Like that Netflix isn't producing the show and mm-hmm. it's taken by a parent company. They've been canceling a lot of stuff that was not made in-house. Right. And that's a show that probably shouldn't have gotten lost the way American Vandal shouldn't have gotten lost. Like that had such a passionate viewer base. Right. And so that's incredibly interesting to hear you talk about how those shows aren't at the Emmys anymore. Right. Because the other thing that's happening this year, Arrow is going away Mm -hmm. and Game of Thrones is going away. Right. And to me, those are the two pillars of like what defined network television up until this point. Right. And what kind of was like the biggest example of peak TV that would occupy everybody's brain space yeah of course and those are going but somehow everybody started to assume i think that like arrow was the model for network television which was like popcorn fluff that really didn't deal with anything and you go to a for the people or a good girls is another example mm-hmm. and that's just not true right. like there is some of it but that's also not the only thing that's happening on a network yeah there you have to you i i think that we're at a point now where there's so much that people are sort of they've given a drink by the way oh yeah i can't wait Um, i think we're at a place where people have uh sort of given up on the networks in a way yes where um if you look at the networks there's some cool stuff happening at the networks. yeah i mean not to toot our own horn but for the people 
is kind of a special network show. I agree. Like if you if you watch the whole thing from beginning to end, you're like, this could be a show that's not on a network. It, no, because it has this, and I and I have to credit Paul again. Like it has this unique voice um, throughout that is um, that is forcing you to think about things in yeah. a way that other procedurals probably don't. Absolutely, and I th- I think network shows suffer and succeed yeah. by the weekly episode drop model which is something that we're also wrestling with now too that I think is also I personally think it's screwing those shows out because even though I like being able to check in with it every week yeah when I have an entire show available at my disposal and I download it and I start to make my way through it yeah I forget I have to check back in with this other show it happens to me with Good Trouble all the time, which I've now mentioned a few times. Good Trouble was one of my other favorite shows on television, mm-hmm. and it comes out every week. And I was prepping for this episode, and I straight up forgot I had an episode of it to watch. Yeah. And I'm on record as how much I love that show, but that's because on my phone, I have six episodes of One Day at a Time mm-hmm. by Netflix waiting for me. That show's great. I shouldn't have to make it a contest between the two. Right. But that, too, hurts the networks, I think, sometimes. Yeah. And that, to me, was part of the reason that I mean, listen, I want to go to bat for further people and, and talk with you, period. But, like, that's me as part of the reason the system must be breaking apart mm-hmm. because it shouldn't silence things that need to be elevated. Yeah. And you guys have an unbelievably diverse cast and are tackling interesting mm-hmm. issues. And even if it's in a less, ooh, this is a mean thing to say about House of Cards with our fellow friend Bo Willeman, but, like, let's go there. Um, a less self-important way mm-hmm. than a show like that or a show that feels less prestige mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it shouldn't be seen. Right. And I sometimes think that the less prestige way is actually a gateway to people who look at something like uh, not just House of Cards, but like what's another good example of a show that feels important? Like I, I feel that you know, yeah. sometimes when a show feels like it should be important, you actually lose a certain amount of your audience because they go, "Well, this is going to be speaking down to me." It's too it like all, just the, sort of the um, the image of it is too preachy or yes, something like that. Exactly, yeah. or, or or like too pseudo intellectual because yeah. for the people never misses a chance to go for the gut punch and and to really go for it, not just to build to it, but like to be like, you know what. We're gonna we're gonna go for it. Yeah. We're gonna see if we can catch it in the fields. Yeah. Which we praise this is us for, mm-hmm. but that we knock other network shows for. And I get it's right. about the artistry with which you do it, but right. like for some people, that's a better delivery system mm-hmm. than something that's a slow burn with like a very subtle reveal. Yeah. Of emotional stuff. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah. I'm trying to think of other shows that that have that. I mean, I, more, more generally, I just think that like someone will look at a new network show. Yeah. And look at a title. Yeah, and you know, and then immediately they'll have an opinion about it. Absolutely, and because of how it's being, you know, advertised or whatever. Marketed, yeah, yeah. And, um, there, and there's too much marketing out there. Like, I didn't know that Jesus and Mero had a show. I was like, oh, this is for a podcast. Like, I was on the subway train today, mm-hmm. and I saw an advertising to a show that's on YouTube. Yeah, like everybody is yeah. competing for your attention. Yeah, which is really interesting. It is. It's, yeah, it's 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 really fascinating, and I, and I've actually had the experience a few times of being a part of something that is because the last 10 years there's been so much shift and change yes. like even year by year uh with certain networks certain studios yeah. certain things um 
it's been interesting to be a part of things. Like, I feel like I've had a history in the last 10 to 15 years of being a part of something as it's shifting. Hmm. Juilliard being the first thing. Absolutely. Being there as it was shifting around to new leadership and, yeah. and even under construction. It's a whole new building. Yeah. Um, coming into the entertainment business right after the writer's strike. Oh, my God. Thing. Exactly. So that changed everything. Yeah. And then also uh, my first television gig outsourced being like kind of in that era you're talking about, which yeah. is sort of the end of the of the network networks being king. Yeah. Um, and then I was just and just thinking about sort of zeitgeist shows. Yeah. Mr. Robot. I was I was in the pilot of Mr. Robot. Yeah. And this is when USA was a very different network. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know doing Mr. Robot, you're like this is a cool show, but this doesn't seem very USA. No. You know. And I remember us meeting in LA and talking about it because I was out right. in LA for a film premiere and right. you had just booked that. And I was and, out there for something. What was it like a pilot? A or, pilot or something? Yeah, 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 it was one of the pilots you were filming. Mm-hmm. And like, the whole point was. By the way, you have to you have to drink. I'm oh, glad you took that drink, but oh, now you have to drink. Shit. Yeah, there oh was one. God. Now I'm terrified. Yeah, it's you. You only hit it once. You only okay. hit hit the rule once. But it was. Um, it, and even at the time, I remember thinking like USA is going to do a show like that. Right. They're going to do a show like that. Also, I have to confess something. It's pretty funny. You did tell me at the time it was Rami Malek. Yeah. But in my head, I heard Romani Malko. <laughs> and for those who don't know, Romani Malko <laughs> is an unbelievable actor who is primarily known as a comedian. I think of him from The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. He was also on No Ordinary Family. Yeah. And Ben was describing Rami Malek's role on Mr. Robot. He was describing the character of Elliot, like this very, like, sullen dude who hears his own voice in his head and is right. a computer hacker and in my head i'm going like wow this is a stretch for romany malco i don't think he's the right casting for this role at all good on you usa <laughs> the show finally That's aired amazing. and i was like where's romany malco and then i suddenly realized what i'd done and i was like Oh my fucking god! Oh, that's amazing. It was, <laughs> it was never him. That's great. and it still cracks me up to this day every time I watch it because I try to imagine Romany Malco being like, "Hello, friend, how are you?" It's my third time checking in with you this week. <laughs> I'm sad, aren't you sad? <laughs> that's <laughs> great. That's excellent. Oh, I love that. Uh, it's crazy. Ugh. Totally crazy. But speaking of shows that we we judge based on their names, we're gonna do a quick little game because we like doing games here on this show before we get to your cutoff, and that is. There are so many shows. So we're going to play a game we played on our summer TV episode. Mm-hmm. And that is called, Is This a Show? I'm going to ask you the name of a show. If you get it right, you don't have to drink, and I do. And if you don't get it right, take a sip. Um, but all of these are things that may or may not be coming out this spring. So here we go. Good Girls. That's right. That's fuck. All right, great. <laughs> Very well played. Um, Les Miserables. Yeah, that's correct. Damn it! Good job! <laughs> Good job, it's on PBS, it's a miniseries. Right. Uh, flip or Flop, Fargo, North Dakota. That's not right. I'm screwed. It's a, they are doing city-specific stuff, but it's not that. Not that one. Oh, man, I'm too TV you're, you're killing this, this is amazing. Right. A Discovery of Witches. No, it's not real. That's real. Ah. That's real. It's Matthew Good. It's on Shudder. A dis- it's called A Discovery of A Witches. A Discovery of Witches. It's already out, but now it's going to air on AMC on air. Shutter put it out first. It features a scene of Matthew Good running as fast as a deer and trying to eat it. I have no idea if it's a good show or not. This is incredible. Uh, Fosse Verndon. 
Oh, that's real. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I'm so stoked for that. Yeah. Shaved Hem Sam Rockwell. It's a good yeah. look. I dig it. Wu-Tang Clan of Mice and Men. No. It's real. Oh, my God. That's the real name of the Wu-Tang Clan documentary. On? It's on Showtime. Wow. It's the real name of Wu-Tang Clan's documentary, and I have no idea why. I have no idea why. Well, that's fascinating. It makes me want to watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hooked. Lord of the Flies. That's real. No. No, that's not coming out. There is a another like YA book from our childhood coming out, but it's not Lord of the Flies. The Hot Zone. Oh, man. That could be so many things. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. Is it on Spike TV? <laughs> We're going to go into a locker room, <laughs> and we're going to figure out who's hot or not. <laughs> Join us for the hottest show on Basic Cable, <laughs> only on the Paramount Network, which is now formerly Spike TV. <laughs> is that real? It's That's real. real. That's uh, real. You called it. Can we talk about how the Paramount Network, like, branded from Spike TV to Paramount Network, and their attempt to shift was that Kevin Costner show Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Did you see that shit? I didn't see that. That is the... It was like they were trying to be a prestige show, but they were still still Spike TV in their heart. And the first thing that happens in that show is, like, a horse on the ground that's, like, lying there suffering, and Kevin Costner talking to this horse for a minute, and then through what I swear to you is the weirdest camera angle I've ever seen on television, shooting the horse in the head, and it's, you're literally like, this thinks it's smart, yeah. but this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> um, and I love Yellowstone, so even though good. I say that. Last one, American Spymaster. That's real. No. Ah, I made that up! Damn it! I made that up! That's too good. <laughs> There are American everything. There's American everything. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good, man. Like, I try. And this, this fucking spring television. Uh, like, yeah. Look at what's happening here. So much. This is insane. Ugh. Well done. You played very, very well. Well, thank you. It was very well done. And that brings us to our last thing, which is a little thing that we like to call your cutoff, assuming I can find the audio file. <laughs> <laughs> here we go, guys. Bitten my tongue so long, it looks like a dog's cushion. No, you are the worst thing that has happened to this country since food in buckets. <laughs> Shout outs to Veep, and that is your cutoff. What we do, the opposite of all drinks to that, guys. We're going to talk about something very briefly that is driving us nuts. It can be something small, it can be something large. But it's going to be something that we are just not a fan of in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Do you have one? Is there a thing that you're like, I, I have, cannot deal with this? I have many. I love... I figured. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what's yours? You, you tell me yours first, and I'll kind of I'll pick mine. Here's a peek behind the curtain. I didn't even think of one. Yeah. So I am going to do this off the top of my head. And... I'm actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with something that dear friend of the podcast, Patrick Willems, has talked about very often, which is the way that Marvel movies look. Mm. This is not something that's tremendously bothered me before. Yeah. There's arguments to be made on either side here, for those who don't know what I'm talking about. Basically, Marvel has a really specific color grading in their films. 
if you've ever gone to say Wonder Woman or Aquaman and then seen another Marvel movie, you're like, that looks brighter, that looks sharper. Yeah. It's because those directors get to decide how their movies look, mm-hmm. and Marvel's kind of got this uniform thing. Right. The argument for it is that the heroes look more blended into the world mm-hmm. in Marvel movies than they do in, say, something like Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, Justice yeah. League, where they're kind of hyper-real. Right. You can even see it in Shazam. Right. In those trailers. And the argument against it is that, honestly, Marvel movies kind of suck mm. cinematically. And they started this about... Uh, I can't remember what it was after Avengers the look just solidifies and there's less cinematic high surely in the visual poetry of it yeah it hasn't always bothered me I felt filmmakers have been able to utilize the look to their advantage they did so in Thor the Dark World even though it's not a great movie yeah but Captain Marvel this weekend man so the third act payoff of this movie maybe you're not gonna like it someone argued to me Rachel Shank argued to me that it was like a deodorant commercial, and she's not wrong. <laughs> it kind of is. I was still crying buckets. Yeah. And mild spoilers, she goes full Captain Marvel, unlike a fleet of enemies. <laughs> so all of a sudden, we finally get a moment for a woman to shine. Right. Like, literally, visually shine. And it looks like ass. <laughs> Like, the colors just look like ass. I'm like, I can't tell that her costume is red. (laughs) And there's a moment in the movie where it's based off a goddamn red fucking shirt. Yeah. And this was one of the first moments. Even Black Panther did it better where, like, the the colors felt vibrant within that. Mm -hmm. Like, right? Like, I got to Wakanda. I was like, oh, yeah, Wakanda's got purple and gold and these regal african colors that have symbolism and meaning and i can i can delineate what they are i don't know if it's the filmmaker's fault i don't know if it's the movie theater i went to's fault i don't know whose fault it is but like captain marvel went to glow and i was like i feel like this zippo lighter has very little fluid in it and i was like really for the one film that has, like, a woman as its lead in the Marvel Universe, yeah. I get that look? Yeah. Fuck you! Yeah, like, yeah. I've been waiting a decade for this. Yeah. I deserve better. It's like, Marvel, truly, let them do better. Let them do more. If, if this is the end game, restart yeah. the game and let the movies look better. Because, like, it's part of the emotional stake. Yeah. And we talk about, did you see Wonder Woman? I didn't see Wonder Woman. I don't. See, I don't see much. Is it's my problem. hard to. Well, you film all the time. Well, so, yeah, sure. Like, like, I mean, like when I'm filming something, I don't see shit. Right, right. Like, I disappeared from the internet when I was doing my play and movie at the same time in March and April. I was like, right. I don't know, I'm not, I didn't have podcasts at oh, that time. Totally. I just dropped off the face of the earth. Right. It's hard to. Right. But like Wonder Woman, part of the reason that there's a sequence in World War One. That happens where she's on this battlefield, yeah, and she screams, "I am no man!" Before going across the trenches, it's amazing. Part of why it's amazing is the gray of the battlefield is in stark contrast to the gold of her bracelets. Yeah, and when she deflects a bullet, that thing sparks like That's a cool. small fire. And you're like, "Fuck yeah!" Fuck yeah. That's what I want to see. Captain Marvel does it. I'm like, is she glowing or is that a star in the background? I can't <laughs> fucking tell. Yeah. Um. So Marvel movies and the way you look, you're cut off. Cause all right. fuck off. No drink for you. Well, all right. Mine is um. Mine's not necessarily something that's new. Doesn't uh, have to be. Yeah. But it's something that has bothered me for years. Mm-hmm. 
and it's one of those itches I can't scratch. Yep. Maybe it's because I'm a Jew. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm like, it's that. It's a sort of a Mark Maron-esque thing that bothers me, and I can't fucking let it's it go. It's glad you drew a line between you and, and Mark Maron. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that guy, by the way. Oh, he's and awesome. That, since yeah. we're on a podcast, I feel like we must pay homage. Yeah. I wouldn't exist uh, without WTF. Oh, that's amazing. for sure. Um, the thing that drives me fucking nuts is, um, you know the song Sweet Caroline? Absolutely. Um <laughs> This is already my favorite. You're cut off. That's so archaic. Great. Now, let me... Maybe this is because I'm not, like, a big sports guy, but, like, you know, like, when when it, at a Red Sox game, it's like, sweet Caroline, pa-pa-pa. Yep. I'm seven, me so good. So, so good. good. So, so good. good. Who fucking started that? <laughs> Who started the so good, so good, so good thing? <laughs> Who was that? Was that was that Red Sox fans or was Probably. That? God damn it. <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> Why does it drive you nuts? I don't know. It's an itch. I, like I said, it's an itch it's I can't, can't scratch. scratch. It's just every time I hear it, see if it's like if I'm standing in a deli somewhere yeah. and you know it's playing over the la- over like the radio and like I just you know you hear someone like throughout the deli Good times never felt so good. Like, like <laughs> people are always, even if they're thinking it, I know they're thinking it. You know like, they're fucking I thinking it. I know you're fucking thinking so good, so good. Stop it right now. <laughs> I don't know why it drives me nuts. It's one of those things I can't fucking explain. Poor, poor Neil Diamond had no freaking idea that this song would carry this so good, so good chant along with it. Like, No, he didn't intend that. Like, how does, I want to know how he feels about this. Yeah, you know, like, is he? Does he? Does he love it or does he hate it? I He's gotta know. hate it. I mean, or, or if he doesn't, I think a little less of Neil Diamond. Like, be, <laughs> be aware of the monster you created, my man. I know. Like, yeah. Wow. For some reason, this reminds me of a story that has nothing to do with that, but will will take us home into the final moment of this podcast, yeah. which is about getting drunk at sports games. Which, I, listen, I like having a drink at sports games. Of course. But drunks at sports games are the worst. Like. People who are drunk at sports games have fallen to their death. They've attacked people. Like, yeah. it's not a good scenario when tempers are at an all-time high. Yeah. And if you've never read Drew McGarry's Why Your Team Sucks, I even advocate you do this if you're not a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Because he has this story about being at a Buffalo Bills game. And apologies to my listeners who are from Buffalo. I know I have listeners from Buffalo. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to rag on you for a second. I'm going to cut off Buffalo Bills fans on top of this because here's a true story. This guy submitted a tale. And here's what this thing is. So every team gets profiled by Drew McGarry, and they get told why they suck from his perspective. And then he goes, don't just hear it from me. Hear it from the fans. Right. So a Buffalo Bills fan submitted this story. I guess this Buffalo Bills fan went to take a piss. And in the bathroom, he saw a small child there. Mm Mm-hmm. This small child is terrified. He's been separated from his family. He's looking for the family. So this guy, instead of taking a piss, goes up to the kid and he's like, Hey, your mom and dad there? Everything okay? You all right? Um, Let's see what we can do. So he kind of brings the kid closer to him and goes near to the urinal section because that's where the most people are. And he's like, Is this anybody's kid? Is this anybody's kid? And... This guy looks at him and goes, go Bills. Turns his head from the urinal, goes, go Bills. And the guy goes, no, is this anybody's child? And then apparently this drunk fan turns all the way around and starts pissing on the person and the child and goes, 
hey, go Bills. And then the whole restroom goes, go Bills. Because they're all wasted is out of their ass. Is this a real thing? This is a real story. This is a real story. So everyone was so wasted that no one was able to stop themselves from thinking about the Buffalo Bills and think about this child that was goddamn lost in a restroom. Fuck, man. I was like, fuck off. That's so much. That's the dumbest shit. And, and like the same people that go, go Bills, in the restroom, those are the ones who get excited for Sweet Caroline. <laughs> those are the exact same people who get excited to do so good, so, so good. good. It's the exact same person. Totally. Uh, it's a blanket judgment I'm willing to make. I try to <laughs> withhold from those, but I will make that fucking blanket judgment. Yeah, I'm here for so, it. So that's my justification of the thing that drives you nuts. Yeah. Because I think it's real. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of real, we're now going to call into reality the rules from this podcast. So when you and I got hit a little hard, but not as awful as it could have been which well played by us what were your rules for me i only had one rule it was one rule that's a good one and it's um you know i've known you a long time yep and your i i feel like i know your favorite words yep you sure do and your favorite word is absolutely oh god that's so good that's so, that so was, true that was what was mine i'm terrified oh Absolutely man that's terrified. good so yours were any time Ollie gets mentioned. Oh god! Now it, the rules only kick in once the podcast starts. So in the cold yeah. open, you were clear. Because it was, was all yeah. Yeah, I was like, ooh, we're good to go. So anytime Ollie gets mentioned, yeah. Anytime you or I tell an inside story mm-hmm. for more than two minutes, ah. If we go at it for too long, like Elmsford Arms, that's why we both had to drink. Yep. yep. So that was for both of us. Yeah. Anytime you mention a show you've been on by name, and I didn't enforce that one as much as I could have, but that's why for the people that caught makes you that me one sound time. So douchey. No, but listen, that's what actors do. Yeah, I, I I've had that rule. I copied that rule from the first episode. Andy Schneeflock gave me that rule for myself. I was like, oh, it's a great rule when we're talking someone's acting career. That is really good. And then submitted by Rob Thompson, friend of the podcast. Anytime you run your hands through your hair, which you didn't that much, but you did twice. Yeah. You had to drink. And gr- I think I've grown out of it. <laughs> I don't know. That's amazing, though. That's amazing. It was a great role. Uh, props to Rob for that. Good, yeah, good on you, Rob. That's great, man. And those were the rules. And that brings us to the end of the pod. So, you know, you've already mentioned for the people, but if there's anything you want to plug, whether it's that again or actually we're fucked, like tell the people yeah. what you got going on or what you want I them mean, to do. I you know, I, I'll just, I'll just kind of go off and saying, you know, for the people season two, I'm incredibly proud of it. Uh, you know, we have season uh, – if the second episode airs this thursday hell yeah um there's a lot going on uh and and on and my play actually were fucked at the cherry lane theater yeah i'm super proud of that as well it's written by some very it's, it's written by matt williams who's the original creator of uh roseanne and home improvement so no the guy, shit yeah. i didn't realize that oh yeah he knows comedy and he's you know he's seen it all yeah you know um, and, and and he's an incredibly smart writer. We have a great cast, um, and we're we're there through April. So come check us out. Amazing. I'm um, I'm coming on March 30th. Yeah, man. On the Rails listeners, come on out. I I've literally seen you guys at the Ten Bone shows. So let's do this thing. Indeed. Um, for mine, I'm just gonna say rate, review, and subscribe. If you're not already listening to the Infinity Podcast, get on that because there's a ton of Marvel stuff coming up, and we may have some special guests rolling through soon. And please follow us on what we got going on because trust me it's only the tip of the iceberg i've started confirming some episodes for april and i can't drop it yet but oh boy do we have a slate coming up so if you enjoy this let your friends know rail riders i'm so happy you're out there dude thank you so much for coming on the show we will be back next week with more brand spanking content and takes thank you guys for riding the rails with us see you in seven cheers guys cheers